Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts. Tune in. Google Cast, Player FM, and always Wednesdays, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern on Indie Rap Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here. We're going to be talking a lot of stuff. NFL draft that happened, uh, recapping two divisions, the NFC East, the AFC East. Then we're going to dive into this whole 48,000 views in the WNFC for week four. Uh, It was just a great weekend for them in terms of viewership, uh, looking for about 60K coming up this next week as it momentum builds, everybody starts to share. It's going to be great for that. WFA clashes as well. Uh, big game, Boston versus D.C. If you missed it, there's a replay there. You can go directly to our at the hub at facebook.com for slash gridiron beauty. So that was a nail-biter, 37-32. Boston looked like they were going to take it easily. And then uh, the Divas come back, Lexi, Lexi Floor, Amanda Congaldi, and uh, DJ Scott came back and made it sort of a contest. So uh, Boston finishes with 37-32, edges the Divas, always a clash, divisional clash, and the uh, Utah versus the Spartans matchup, which didn't turn out to be as competitive as the best of the West matchup, uh, given the roster changes that have happened in the offseason. Uh, Utah really did not look like themselves. A lot of turnovers. Uh, the Spartans, obviously, the better team, took uh, capitalized on that. And so uh, week four in the WNFC was to the Spartans, 55-18. So that was somewhat not a surprise in a way, but it was somewhat of a surprise. So we'll see how, you know, going forward here it goes with the rankings. But the rankings have changed in the WNFC. We're going to talk about that. Um, Go to the hub and get the lowdown on everything that's happened in women's American football. If you haven't, go there now. 6,900 strong. Our reach is huge now, 14,000 almost weekly. Uh, We are so happy that everybody's sharing, posting, commenting, doing what they got to do to bring the awareness uh, that these ladies play no joke and they're no joke football, period. Um, If you guys want to go to the shop, support us. Get some uh, leggings, T-shirts, hoodies, however you want to do it. Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That's the No Joke Football Shop. And and for $10, you can get uh, pretty much Zazzle Black, which is free shipping for 12 months for about $9.99. So help us out on there. Check it out. See what you like. And uh, buy some stuff. And keep us going here. That supports us. Zazzle supports our podcast and keeps us going to bring awareness to the sport. So, uh, makes it the best podcast talking women's American football for a long time and could not be possible without Zazzle.com. So let's bring in the college football guru who returns to the airwaves, uh, Troy Wilson here. Uh, Troy, um, what a weekend. Football, we got football now on Facebook Live. We got football on WNFC TV. Uh, I mean, we got Legends Football League on YouTube now. Uh, there's uh, Brazil starting off. The Western Women's Canadian Football League in Canada is going to kick off this next uh, about another 10 days. Lexfa will kick off this weekend. We got uh, FX Mexico. 
if you didn't know it, there's women playing American football, Troy. Yeah, man, it's uh, you know, it's like you said, it's chock full of football this entire uh, past weekend and going forward. So, you know, we're all excited about it. I mean, we're all football junkies, and just to be able to take in all of the, you know, all of the scores and watch these ladies go out there perform, it's a great feeling to watch it, and especially you know, because we just continuously see the uh, the game spread uh, throughout the world. And just the more, you know, we see it, the more we're in awe of these ladies out here doing that thing. Troy, um, the result in, in D.C., no different. Uh, we said at the beginning of the year, Renegade's pretty tough, really strong. They add Ruth Mata from Bafa Women. Uh, they add a couple key pieces. They already had Angelica Pasquale on running back, so like a two-headed monster here. They took advantage of some diva inexperiences at this point with the line changes and everything else. But uh, the D.C. did make it a game at towards the end there, and uh, but they get beat 37-32. Boston literally on a four-game winning streak here, 4-0. Well, look, Boston, we knew Boston coming in was, was going to be a solid team, and, um, and also D.C. was going to be a solid team. And when those teams get together, it's, all, it's a dogfight. I mean, that's, that's the true rivalry in, in, in that league. So, you know, we aren't really surprised as far as uh, not necessarily a result. But you know what? As you stated before, the, the D.C. Divas with the inexperience uh, they've had. I mean, they lost a lot of key pieces in the offseason. And, you know, but I feel like I feel confident that going forward, they're right to ship. The one thing that you know about D.C. is that when they find holes, they'll be able to plug it. And I think they'll still have something to say about this by, by the end of the season. Uh, so, you know, I, they're going to struggle a little bit. And, and, you know, you expect a little bit of that, um, you know, as you said, with with the, young, with the young team. But I think they'll end up riding the ship. Um, Troy, a little disappointed in a lot of ways. Uh, Utah did not really make a game. Texas Spartans really just do their thing. They go, they go to Utah. They take, you know, they take advantage of all the turnovers. Uh, I think uh, it's not the same Falcon team that they faced at the best of the West tournament. And so it showed. And so 55 to 18, uh, the Spartans were ranked number two, kind of chip on their shoulder, right? So now they come in, they knock off number one. And so going forward here, uh, the only team that I think should be scared is the ATL. And that's the only other competition that they have. Other than that, they look to take the Atlantic conference. Yeah, I mean, they, they come out the gate strong. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not really surprised at that either. So I'm just, you know, just the way that they uh, put their team together, you kind of expected them to, you know, to be able to uh, come out and dominate the way that they've been doing. And they don't look like they have any signs of slowing down right now. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think right now I would say that they are heading above uh, everyone in the Atlantic division. And it's going to be really hard to, to slow that team down. They have the momentum. They have the confidence. They have the talent. They're big. They're fast. And, you know, it, it's, it's really going to be tough to slow that team down. So we have a we have literally momentum going. 48,000 views, Troy, on WNFC TV this past week before. 48,000 views. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, listen, the you know, the, the hype is real, as they say. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk in the off season about what the WNFC is going to do and how they're going to change things. And, and you know what? They put their money where their mouth is, and you're starting to see it come to fruition. And the good thing is 
is to see them have success, they are going to start to lay the blueprint for other women's leagues to, to sort of copy that and, 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 you know, try to build off of that same success that they had and, and, and see the way that they do things. I'm really proud of the way that this has all come together and, you know, how they've handled the business aspect. I mean, we've seen that um, all of these leagues have talented ladies on, on the sidelines. But to be able to capitalize on the business aspects of it is, is the great thing that, that you wanted to see. And they're really getting that done. Troy, and we're not even on Roku or Fire Stick or any other platforms yet. This is just Facebook Live. 48,000 on Facebook Live. We're not even, yeah. they haven't even launched on the other platforms. So we're looking yeah, at huge, huge viewership. If you're just streaming on Facebook and you're getting that many views, I mean, you, you see the potential. And so that's the great thing is that, you know, money sponsors are going to see that. They're going to see that, you know, this has is, been is a grassroots effort. Um, it's, it's sort of akin to where you have rappers that sell, you know, their CDs out of the trunk. So, you know, this right, is that, that exactly. type of thing. And you labels, hear these guys, and then they come in, they want to sign them to a big contract. And I, I think you'll see the same thing with WNFC. I think the more, you know, they see the, um, you know, the success they're having and getting viewership, so why not go ahead and throw a logo up there and, 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 and advertise your company, you know, for something that a lot of people are watching and 40,000 views just on Facebook, is that's insane. And, you know, th- there are going to be sponsors out there that want to capitalize off of that exposure. Troy, th- did we doubt Jenkins? Because we didn't. A lot of people did, did doubt Jenkins. And you know what I mean? And it's coming coming together, you know what I mean? I didn't doubt her for a second you, because that's the thing. You can hear the conviction in her voice. You can hear the belief. And she is one of the type of people where when you're around her, you, you know, you you have, you know, she has that magnetic personality and you're going to do what she wants you to do. I mean, because, you know, and that's the thing. It's not even a threatening thing. It's just that you don't want to disappoint someone like her. I mean, she has a personality where she's definitely a leader and she is a leader of leaders. And, and, and I really, felt like, you know, going into it, when I heard that the WNFC was going to take off and then I heard that OJ was going to be, you know, basically the front and center on it, I just said, to me, it was a given. I, I knew they were going to be successful because I believe in her myself. And I, I've seen it, you know, um, how she's handled herself, you know, in, when, um, you know, with her Dallas team and, and the way that they, the way that she just goes about things and about business, the way she talks about business you knew this was going to be a success story. So I'm not surprised at all. Troy, we had Bryant uh, Seawall, which is the uh, CEO of the WNFC last week. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet. This is like the beginning. This is phase one. There's like three phases. It's kind of like the Avenger movie. You know what I mean? Like the first hour, second hour, and the third (laughs) hour. So we haven't seen that yet. You know what I mean? We're starting to just barely chip away. Um, And to his point, Troy, there is the middle of the pack in the WNFC. Uh, for example, you know, the Nebraska's, the Seattle's, the, um, the Las Vegas Stars, the Houston Heats, you know, the uh, North Florida Pumas. Uh, all of those, to his point, will get better next season. You know what I mean? It's bound to get more competitive in terms of, you know, because it's year one, they're bound to get better. And hopefully that, if that's the case, then they're going to go to another level. 
Yeah, and especially if you start to have, you know, I believe that model, part of that model was revenue sharing and, and you, you know, the financial aspect of it where teams are on even grounds. You give teams um, chance chances to improve their teams and to have a little bit of parity in that league. And that's one of the, you know, the, the, the drawbacks of some of these women's leagues that you see that one team is just completely dominant or a few teams are completely dominant over the smaller teams who may not be as well funded. And I just think with the WNFC, they have, you know, come up with a model that has allowed a little bit of parity, that will allow uh, allow a little bit of parity. And that's what you want. You want, you know, uh, you know, your team to have a chance, you know, when it comes to the off season, or is your team going to be able to improve? And if you don't feel like your team can improve, and this is just from a fan's aspect, you're not going to come out and support. So I just think that they were smart to do that, to try to level the playing field amongst these teams. And to be able to to have a little bit of parity, I think that's just the most important thing. Troy, uh, San Diego, you think they, they feel it now? Uh, Texas Elite off for two weeks. You got Utah, who's going to take on Denver this week, which should, you know, at this point, they're coming off that beatdown from Utah, uh, from Texas Elite. I'm assuming the Bandits need to be really aware that Utah really wants this win in week five. But reality is San Diego hasn't played. Uh, you know, by week, two weeks ago. Now they're really in the mix. The next two weeks really dictate their ranking. Right now, uh, the rankings came out, week four rankings. Texas Elite, obviously, based on the results in Utah, they're number one. The surge gets moved to number two. So they're the top dog now, number two. Utah goes to three. Atlanta stays at four. They're not going to – Atlanta has got two weeks to come back, and then they get another uh, another game going forward i think it's going to be against texas so they got two weeks to prepare for uh the uh, the spartans and see how they're going to fare up there so the middle of the pack troy seattle the bobcats alabama and nebraska is really where it's at five through eight right now and this coming week houston will take on nebraska one more time last week's game was very competitive 46 26 houston gets beat but nebraska showed exactly where they're at they sort of you know, a better squad at this point. Then you got Seattle Majestics coming off a two-game winning streak, beating Las Vegas and the Bobcats this past week. Now they get to face a real test in the San Diego surge. Well, the thing that you want to see with Seattle is that is that defense going to hold up. I mean, you know, the last game they held, um, they held Los Angeles to six points. And, you know, you want to see if that defense is still going to be able to hold up against a, a high-powered uh, team like San Diego. And that's, as you said, that's going to be the real test there. So we're definitely going to keep our eyes on that. We want to see uh, what, what Holly thinks. I'm pretty sure she's confident going into it, but at the same time respects the, the San Diego surge. But, you know, with a two-game winning streak, all of that buys into the confidence. And we know when it comes to this game, you know, if you're confident, you've got a chance. And I know right now Seattle is a confident team, and but they know San Diego is a great team also. So this is going to be a fight for them. This is this would be a chance for for them to come out of that middle pack and, and emerge as, as as one of the top teams, especially out west. Uh, Troy, the one thing we've got to watch out for are the Pumas. After getting beaten down, they're one and two. They get you know they against Alabama and against ATL. Now they get the Hippies. Hippies are zero and three, but hey, the Hippies. This could be their upset win. This could be their first win of the season if the Pumas don't play as well defensively like they haven't played in the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, if the Hippies want to make a statement here, 
it is against the Pumas this week coming up. So that's one option. And then the Rebellion coming off an 0-2. Uh, they, this team has only played really good two, two quarters of solid football within their games. Now they got to step up and play four quarters and take care of Vegas. Vegas really damaged goods. Uh, there are injuries. There, there are things going on in Vegas that we're not aware of, but they're not playing very good ball. So at this point, it is 0-2, Rebellion taking on the Silver Stars 0-3. Who gets the win is really what it boils down to with these two squads. Who's going to get the win? I probably think it's going to be San Diego Rebellion. I mean, as you say, a lot of things are being hurt. There's a lot of turmoil going on. And when you start having injuries and consecutive losses, you know, things start to unravel a little bit. And, you know, but I think both of these teams are looking at this as a prime time to, to get back on, you know, but right now, Las Vegas is reeling with a lot. Yeah, I think they're having they're they're having obviously injury concerns and all that. So we'll we'll see week five in the WNFC. Utah takes on Denver. Uh, you got Pumas on against uh, the Hippies. Nebraska against Houston. Seattle hosts the Surge. Rebellion taking on Las Vegas Stars. So that's the matchup for week five. You can watch it all on WNFC TV. And we'll get the links up as the game's going, going forward on Saturday. So, um, Troy, the shockwave in Portland is, is making their statement as well. 4-0, racking up some, some points here out in the West. 48-14 against the Seattle Spartans. Uh, Cali War beatdown of the Phoenix Phantoms, 53-0. These two will collide next week the Shockwave and Cali War. So it's a battle out west of the top two top Division One teams. Are you there, Troy? I think I might have lost Troy already. Let's see if uh, – can you hear me, Troy, or no? All right. Um – so we'll see if he comes back on right now. I think he's going to probably call back in. Uh, but it's going to be a big, big-time matchup here. Uh, the Shockwave, going, uh, 4-0, and they're going to be facing Cali War, 2-0. Uh, Cali coming off that 53-0 win. And then, obviously, the Shockwave coming off the 48-14. Put up very big numbers against two uh, lower teams. Now it's going to be a real matchup here. Who's going to be with what? Uh, Cali really has former Los Angeles um, Warrior staffing, so it's similar to what they've had last year. A lot of their staff is most similar to what Los Angeles uh, Warriors were at at this point. Um, but we'll see how that that you know transpires on that. But uh, Troy, this is going to be kind of like the collision, which is Boston D.C. in a way. Um, it's uh, Portland against Cali War. Yeah, Portland has really uh, really come on the last uh, couple of years. Uh, you still really started to see that team come on and uh, get their foothold in, in that um, in the West in the West divisions. And so, I, I'm not surprised that they are doing very well. It's going to be a nice uh, uh, it's going to be a nice battle out there. And Cal has also done the same thing. I mean, they really put themselves on the map. So this is one of those heavyweight uh, fights. That, that you kind of look forward to seeing. Um, is Portland going to be able to emerge out there? I think, uh, you know, Cal Warriors have been uh, pretty – they've been a pretty dominant team for a while. 
Um, but I think um, I really I don't know. I think Portland this might be their year to take things. So this is this would be a nice step in going toward that, and we'll see if uh, Portland can pull it off. All right, Troy. Uh, the Slam returns from an you know hiatus, and they are just killing it. They're just uh, thirty-one to six. They're just burning people seventy to zero. Uh, I mean, this this team is back. Division two, literally favorite. At, at when they came on, when they came back, I said, "This is it between them and Vixen. This is what it looks like right now." And then you have to, we have to talk about, you know, the 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 schedule is one thing, but they are just literally just tearing people down, and they're just doing it efficiently. Their offense is running really well. So uh, St. Louis really wants to get back to that, you know, that one year that they missed. They could have done three P four, and so I think that's where they're at. Yeah, I mean they're they're just beating people down at this point. So I mean, uh, you know, when you when you see the dominance like that, did you really just think that they're going to be able to keep it going? I really don't see them being any team slowing them down anytime soon at this point. They get Iowa Phoenix next week. And I feel bad for McKenzie and company because this team is for real. And the Phoenix need to step up their game. Otherwise, uh, they're going to end up where they ended up in, the, in snowball. Wisconsin Dragons beat the Phoenix 50-6. to six. We got to talk to McKenzie about that. In snow plowed uh, field out there. So 50-6, to six, they lost to the Wisconsin Dragons, uh, McKenzie's squad here. So now they are going to face at home the Slam. And right now the slam is undefeated, and I don't think they're they're coming into Iowa to lose. Yeah, I mean they they got that train rolling. Um, you know, I think McKenzie's gonna you know their, their team is gonna have to get to bow up on this one because um, they got they got a fight coming in town. So this is this is gonna be a strong test for them also. But I think I don't know. I think McKenzie's team they might be up to task on this one. They gotta like I said, they gotta bow up right here. This is time for them to you know. Um, Time to get salty. Time to get salty on the field. That's all I got to say. <laughs> you got to use the MMA skills out there and make it happen. <laughs> all right. Time to get salty. Salty needs to get salty. Uh, she's listening. I know she is. So get salty, woman. You got to get up against the slam there. Um, so, Troy, the the team in your neck of the woods uh, quietly making a name for themselves. This is the Baltimore Nighthawks, 26-13 against Philly Phantoms. A very, very Eastern Conference class, similar to what you see with D.C. and Boston here. So, uh, Baltimore is really on, on fire this year. They're really looking good. Yeah, I mean, this is um, – and that's where you, you come back and you sit back and say, you know, the teams that are starting to build on on um, and get a little bit better, that's one of the teams that you say. And, and they got to – a huge test uh, coming up this weekend going into Pittsburgh. And uh, Pittsburgh is, is one of those tough teams that, you know, that they've had some success over the years also. they got a story program. And this would be a great test for Baltimore. So I think this is, this could be one of those um, super, just huge building blocks for them. They're already confident going into this game. Uh, they know they can play. And that's the thing. They're not afraid. I don't think they're afraid of Pittsburgh. So, this could, be, this could be a good chance for Baltimore to see where they're at now. I mean, they, like you said, they've had some success this year, and we'll see if they can build on it. All right, so, Troy, the other matchup, crucial. We talked about how the Titans needed to prove that they can win, but they've gotten beaten down by D2 at the beginning of the year. 
everybody's beating them in D2. Minnesota, St. Louis, and this past weekend, Mile High, 9-6, to six, uh, DC, I mean, KC Falls. So Kansas City not having the greatest start in 2019. Yeah, you know, they lost, uh, you know, really big piece um, in Brook Leach, and, and it's going to be tough for them to recover from that when they're struggling right now. And then they have to go into Minnesota, who is no stranger to success. They they win games. They win championships. So this Minnesota team is not going to go in there and take it easy on them. They, they got their work cut out for them. And, and you know what, this is one of those times where the Vixen is going to, you know, put their foot on the on the proverbial throat and um, try to go ahead and, and put KC out of their misery on this one. I really think Minnesota is going to take it. I don't think it would be a close game either. So we're looking at Kansas City 0-4. And based on Massey ratings, um, I don't know what's going to end up in the next two weeks, but it looks to me like they might miss the playoffs. But based on the ratings, they make the playoffs because of the division. So, you know, the WFA breakdown so screwed up where there are only two teams in each division in Division One, And, you know, in that, in that sense. And they might just make a, a playoff game out of it, which is unheard of. Where you have an 0 and 5, 0 and 17 make a playoff. That just I don't understand how that works, but based on Massey ratings, it could be a possible scenario that way, where they get into a playoff format. Uh, at this point, I just don't see it. Um, Minnesota is rolling; they're really good. They've done their their homework. They've beaten them before. I don't think they want to get beat at home. And then they they're introducing Kelly Schultz, uh, broadcaster Kelly Schultz from the N, uh, NWHL to their broadcasting team on town, on town square TV. So pretty big moment there as well. So really huge, huge, uh, matchup here. It's kind of like, uh, the Boston DC matchup coming up on town squares and we'll get the link out for you guys. Make sure you watch that game as well. Um, Troy, the one team we're not talking about is Cleveland slowly, but gradually the fusion's getting better and they're taking on, uh, the Detroit dark angels this coming weekend. And they, they got their win this past weekend, 12, to zero over the New York Wolves. So, uh, you know, we should be probably keeping an eye on, on the fusion here. Yeah, and they, they've had some success. They beat the Capital City Savages. They shut them out in their second game and then also um, played Pittsburgh Passion pretty close. They, they lost that game by six points. So, again, this is one of the teams that, you know, feel like that they can build on success, and, and they're starting to have it right now. And it gets contagious. So I really like what Cleveland's done. Um, you know, they can put a lot, they can put points on the board and their defense has been very stout over the past few weeks. I mean, they shut out the last two teams that they played with Capital City in New York. And so with Detroit, I mean, Detroit is aware of that. And so are they going to be able to do that? And Cleveland is going on the road for this one. It'll be a tough matchup, but I think Cleveland pulls it off. All right, Troy, uh, the anarchy is on fire. Anarchy is on fire. 81 to zero against Jackson. Jackson uh, Blue, Dixie Blues. I don't even think Dixie even showed up to the game. You know what I'm talking about? This is just brutal. As Daniel, Alex Daniel would say, brutal. Brutal result. 81-0. to zero. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a definite – that's a beatdown, man. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's demoralizing. I don't know how Candace you – Hunter, Candace Hunter out there just slinging the ball. Russia <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, – Rasha and Betancourt out there just killing it. Uh, this, our, this Orlando team is 
is not going to uh, accept nothing less than a championship. Is literally what, <laughs> what it's looking like. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, they look like they got um, man, they got a clear slate until they get to their final game where they got to do that rubber match against Tampa. And uh, we know that game was close, where Tampa they lost by by two points. So Tampa is really wanting to get that game back again. Uh, but this time Tampa has to go on a road against Orlando. And man, they are just they are revving it up right now. They are running up the score on people, and they are not allowing anyone to score. And um, I don't see that changing at all. I mean, right now they're just unstoppable. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I don't. Understand, I don't. You know, and they get a bye. I think they're. I don't even think they're playing this next week. So that's kind of restful time for them. But uh, they're number two right now in Massey rating in Division uh, Three. Number two. The number one team in Massey Ratings right now is Sin City Trojans out west. And so uh, that's the number number two team there happening there. So hats off to them. And um, maybe they're angry that they're number two, Troy. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Anytime you, you know, you, you dominate the way that they've been doing and then somebody basically says that's not good enough, that that's enough to rile you up a little bit. So expect Orlando, the Anarchy, to be out there in a bad mood this week. Excuse me. All, all right. Um, um, the other game was Connecticut against Maine Mayhem, seven to six dog fight, similar to the Bobcats and Seattle Majestics uh, WNFC matchup. Uh, Connecticut really coming on strong. They're doing a really good program out there. They've they've done it for the last two years. Now they're really starting to show uh, what they're able to do. So uh, you can get pretty much uh, highlights from Taz TV on Twitter from us. Thanks to him keeping tabs on the Connecticut Hawks, seven to six uh, against the Mayhem. So uh, Connecticut Hawks, you know, shout out to them for just sticking it and doing their thing. Win, win, win. Yeah, they're playing defense out there. And, um, you know, you're holding these teams. You've only allowed six points all season in the two games that they played. They have this rubber match coming up against the New York knockout this coming weekend. So um, they're building on success also. You know, if they can continue that that formula, it looks like, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to – they're keeping the, score, the points low. And, um, and and trying to take care of the ball. Uh, but, you know, Connecticut is, is – they're, they're rolling right now, and they want to keep that success going. And it's a possibility where if they can finish out, they're maybe talking about a playoff bid. So this is another one of those teams that are improving. So we got we got La Muerte and the Rocky Mountain Thundercats, uh, basically a battle right there. Uh, both teams need a win. Uh, they're coming off losses. So big, big matchup there there. Oregon, the Battle of Oregon. Oregon against South Oregon coming up here in week five. Interesting to see how the Hawks and the Lady Gates turn out there. Lady Gates coming off a 46-0 beatdown beat to Tacoma at, at Tacoma. So impressive win for them. So we'll see how the uh, Oregon Hawks against the Lady Gates turns out next week. Uh, but at this point, like, D3 is really starting to rev up. We're going to keep tabs on it. Uh, you can get everything low down on D3 at Club Burmy. I can tell you, though, that's where I get my low down of D3, Club Burmy on Facebook. And you missed him, Troy. Uh, Club Burmy was here about two podcasts ago, but we broke it down. D3, pretty awesome. And uh, we got another matchup, Richmond against South Carolina Smash coming up in D3 that we're going to keep an eye on. And, of course, Sin City, Lexi Demio out there just doing her thing. Number 40, just doing a great job out there. So she's got the number one ranked Sin City Trojans going up against Phoenix this coming week. Uh, this coming weekend, 
see if they can keep it rolling. So pretty, pretty awesome uh, scope in terms of WNFC, Troy, and WFA. A lot of things to kind of keep an eye on for week five. Yeah, lots of things moving and shaking. So we'll definitely keep you guys informed on it because, you know, we're all, we're definitely jacked up about this season. There's a lot of football being played out there. All right. Um, let's talk Legends Football League while we're at it as well. Week one, Troy, new coaching change in Los Angeles. No, Tui kind of showed um, big hype because you got Gaxiola back, uh, Salerno at quarterback. And uh, the only standout from that game that I could see was T.J. Anderson on defense. Everybody else's the offensive game plan was not well structured. Defensively, they weren't as good as obviously the missed. And so Michelson just took advantage. You know, run Snore until you can stop her. Uh, Randall with catches, and then oh, by the way, I have this thing in my pocket called Firecracker Alley Alberts. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that you saw about that game that just was, was really obvious is that Seattle is just bigger and they're faster than the L.A. team. I mean, they're just much more athletic, I, I, you know. Hey, Troy, um, and let me just say one more thing. Savannah Wood. Yeah, man, this, man that, I mean, that was just a dominating performance. I, I thought, you know, we didn't know how L.A. was going to come out. Monique Gaxiola coming back. You know, uh, you know, she's a Hall of Famer, the first Hall of Famer, I believe. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't much help out there because uh, that, that Seattle team just went out there and dominated with the size that they had. They weren't afraid of L.A.'s receivers. Uh, you know, they, they only played six yards off the ball. I mean, they, they didn't respect their speed at all. They, they felt like they couldn't get deep. So they just loaded up the boxing just to make sure Niles Johnson didn't get, any, um, you know, too many yards per carry. And that worked. That, that game plan worked to perfection. They just felt like they, they had that under control. And then that came with Thaney. She was just, you know, she was tearing it up out there, doing a great job, you know, leading her team at the quarterback position. So, you, I mean, you, you started to see that old Seattle dominance. I mean, you, we missed a little bit of that last year. They, they just had a different uh, philosophy on offense and defense last year. And this year, it just looked like they were back to their old, you know, the, the, the way that they used to do things with power football and speed at the at the skill positions. And it just looked like they didn't miss a beat from the last time Michelson were on the sidelines. Troy, uh, it, there was some hope at the beginning of the game. Uh, T.J. Anderson just killing on Matheny, just tearing it down, just right rushed through it. There were no containment. And then they kind of got adjusted to it. But uh, L.A. did have some, you know, some potential there. Agawa as well. Um John Nass Johnson. So offensively, I think the coaching staff, uh, which is a mix of two two coaches, they really got to sit down and figure out how they how, how they're going to execute against Seattle once again. Uh, they take on they took on Denver, which we'll, we'll recap uh, next weekend. So they'll take on Denver uh, on uh, YouTube. You can watch it there, and then we'll just recap the game next week. But uh, at this point, it looked like you know they had some pieces on defense, especially with Moback. And now it's just a matter of trying to get an offensive rhythm here. I mean, they have Delaney Hall they didn't use at all, which is, you know, and then the, uh, the, the Miles sister, uh, uh, Miles as well, didn't use at all. So they got weapons on, on offense, but they're just not, you know, utilizing the pieces. And I think Seattle just was just more talented. Yeah, I mean, that, and that was the thing. They just – they were just bigger and they just had more speed at the skill positions. I mean, that was obvious. I mean, it was – 
Um, wasn't a complete beatdown, but it was it was enough where you could sit back and say that Seattle was definitely the better team. I still expect L.A. to compete this year. They do have a lot of talent on their team, and there's no doubt about it. I just think that Seattle went ahead and displayed their dominance out there in that game. Just watching them play, I mean, you know, you got Jay Randall at the wide receiver position. No one in the, in, in the LFL that can match up with her. And if they can get her the ball out, you know, uh, and take the top off of defenses, man, they're just going to be tough to stop out there. Yeah, I was I really impressed with uh, just the scheming of everything that's happening. And then you had um, Ty, uh, Tyra Williams as well, just uh, running the ball really well. So Seattle, I mean, we already knew they were the number one ranked team. They, they showed it. They proved it. Um, and then you had Savannah Woods as just a, a monster on defense. Just, you know, just all the pieces together. There's nobody that's going to stop this team unless they really get muscled and physical against them and things like that. Um, the next game that we saw was this past weekend, Troy. We already, we already uh, figured it out. You said it. This is Atlanta's year. If they want to take it to the house and really go to Legends Cup, they got to prove it. Um, I just wasn't impressed with uh, Chicago Bliss. At same concept with Los Angeles. Uh, coaching change. Tamika Robinson almost got killed, just like uh, Mark Bolger, just constantly oh. by, uh, you know, Atlanta's team. Man, that was a vicious hit, man. I mean, she got hogtied and thrown to the ground. That just looked bad. That looked really yeah, bad. Yeah, Amber man. Clark yeah. just came over and just, like, Ooh. just tore her down. Oh, man. That, that, man, that, that was a takedown like I hadn't seen in a while. And it was just, uh, it was a, it got ugly out there real quick. That was, I mean, it was if you, if similar. If you seen the takedown, go to the hub at facebook.com. I got the, I got the uh, link out there from Amber Clark personally. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, kind of wake up call. It was a ringer for sure. Yeah, but you know what? Watching that game, I just, you know, watching the demeanor. I mean, just from the be- very beginning of the game, Chicago just didn't look confident. I mean, they just, there was no, you know, there, I didn't see a whole lot of enthusiasm out there. It looked just like Atlanta just hit them right in the mouth. And they, you know, they came out, they hit them with that quick slant. And, um, you know, and you had the big play off the rip. And then after that, it was just like Chicago was just dead in the war. And you didn't see that from, from a Bliss team in the past. But you also didn't see Atlanta finishing against, um, you know, a, a good team out there also. And so you got to take your head off to Atlanta for finishing the job. I mean, they did allow that eight points, and they were not happy. And that's what, I, that's what you wanted to see also from Atlanta. They didn't want to have Chicago score points. They were pissed. They were on that sideline. They were pissed off. And, and just to have them score that point, because they really, really wanted that game. And just So to me, it just looked like, Atlanta wanted it much more than Chicago did. And, you know, Chicago was, it looked like they were dead on their feet, you know, number one after that big play. And then the fans just did that, that slam, that really just took the wind out of everything right there. So I think that was the, that was a wrap at that point. All right. So, Troy, I'm going to tell you something. Okay. On social media, the brand-new Bliss felt disrespected by the old Bliss and a lot of the old Bliss players go go out and prove it. Go out and prove it. Equal to what we've done. Go out and prove it. And we're talking about Dominic Collins, and we're talking about Chantel Taylor. <laughs> and so, you know, it's big talk, right? You can talk all you want, but until you hit the field and get the results, you're just talk, right? And that's what they were telling the new squad. 
go out and prove it. You're the champ. Yeah. Sure, you haven't even earned it. That's what they were saying to the rookies. You, this time, this championship's not yours. This championship's not yours. You're not even champions. That's really what the the, the attitude was. And you know what? If you know the old Bliss team, they can say that because they've earned that trophy, and 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 they're right. They have to go out there and earn it. You know, everybody can talk, but you know, you're gonna have to go out in that field eventually. And um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if she, if this was, you know, just a bump in the road for Chicago, and and you know, they get their confidence up and they, you know, they write the ship. But man, their body, the body language out there looked bad. It just it just didn't look good out there. Uh, Troy Ella Omaha Hart, what do you think? Not that bad. It's going to be. It's going to be hard. Um, they they have to prove it out. Yeah. Tamika's very talented. I think she's fine. She just needs to get a rhythm going. She needs to get some confidence with receivers. But uh, if it's going to be a season like that, it's not going to work for them. Um, and then, uh, Troy, Atlanta haven't, hasn't even utilized uh, Michelle Marshall yet. No Michelle Marshall. Just basic. They took they, they used Amber uh, Williams, I believe, um, from the acoustic, which did really well. And then they have Alfie Gore and then Nicole Hunt, the new running back. So they haven't even used any of their weapons besides Ziggler. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, when when Ziggler took it to the house at the, the beginning, I mean, they they really got uh, Chicago. It, it, it took them out, and at that they started to focus a little bit more on her, and they left some wide gaps open for the rest of the players on Atlanta. It, it, it was just it was bad out there. It was really bad. I, I I just I really didn't like the body language. That's the thing that really bothered me the most, and you kind of understand it from the standpoint, you know. Um, after the body slam, it really just took the wind out of their sails. And then you already had inexperience at the quarterback position. Now you have even more inexperience. And it was just, um, man, it, it just didn't look good out there. Yeah, they looked uh, scared, is it if you want to call it, at, at certain points during the game. I think offensively on the offensive line, they really looked scared. And you got to be scared, right? Because you got Dino Wachowski just running her mouth on them. <laughs> just. <laughs> I think anybody's gonna be scared of Dina, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, you, you can't fault him for that one. Yeah, she ain't no Adrian Purnell, but pretty close, I think. Um, Troy, what did you think of uh, Jolly uh, uh, Jolie uh, Pesikai? I'm, I think much improved, right? Are you still there, Troy? Oh, I think he dropped off wing. Okay. Uh, so much improved for um, jo- uh, Jolie uh, Fesakai. And then, obviously, Diana Hightower just really just dropping balls. She really needs to step up. Probably one of the biggest uh, tight ends, if you want to call her a tight end, kind of a Gronk-like uh, physique. She she can become a big asset for the Bliss. And just all over the place, um, the most targeted receiver in the first half, and she could not bring down any balls. Uh, she's got to really get physical. She really has to get physical, and she's going to be have to be the key for this team to really um, make something out of it. So, um, Troy, I was just saying that um, um, Deanna Hightower just really just disappointed because she could have been a, a bigger factor. Yeah, definitely. 
um, you know, and it, you wanted to see her kind of, you know, get her foot, get her footing out there, and it just didn't seem to come fruition out there. It's just, it's a, you know, it, it was tough in the beginning, and you know, they just, you, you want to see them put things together more so. And, uh, I think you also talking about uh, Jolie uh, Afezikai, uh, the yep. tight end. Uh, she she played a hell of a game. You know, ended up scoring a touchdown. So. Um, I thought she played great out there. Dakota Hughes ended up getting her the ball and um, and, and displaying the kind of weaponry that she has. Uh, what a catch that she had. Man, she's long, too. She is really long. And it, it, she's going to be tough to defend, especially when you start getting down in the red zone. She is, she is tough to defend out there. Yeah, the reach is just over the top. Uh, we, I was going to give credit to the Bliss. Okay, up front there, Taddy Blaze, um, Chaz Dyson. D- and Emma Vanderhaden, former Chicago Force standout, uh, all so- solid potential at times during the defensive ball. So they did play their heart outs on that way. But offensively, uh, this Bliss team was just completely anemic here, sluggish. Um, uh, Javel Thompson, obviously, probably the only thing that was kind of a plus on there besides Tamika Robinson. Uh, so there's two pieces on offense, and it takes more than that to make it run, especially against Atlanta. So we'll see how they improve in game two at this point. But Atlanta just literally just made a statement here. They're trying to own it. 30-8 to eight, uh, was the first uh, first time the Steam had defeated the Bliss during a regular season game. The only other win coming in 2017 at the Eastern Conference Championship. So until now, Chicago has owned the upper hand in this rivalry. But uh, I don't think it's going to go uh, that way any, any, anymore at this point, Troy. Yeah, I mean, unless, um, you know, some of those older Chicago players decide to come back and, 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 and make it happen. But, yeah, it looks like that um, Atlanta's going to just establish their dominance at this point. Chicago just isn't ready. Um, you know, and then they lost. Was, they also lost um, Kristen Morrison uh, midway through the game, oh, so that's wow. a big factor, too. I forgot about I forgot about that. Man. And that's, that's definitely their best player on that team. And so yeah, it's not it's not looking good after this, man. It's wow. Uh, do do we know um, uh, what, what was the issue or whether she's going to be back or not? Uh, lower body injuries, from what I heard, um, probably be back in, in a, probably this next weekend coming up. Hopefully she'll be back. If not, there's a status on there. Um, this weekend, Austin against Chicago. So Chicago gets to play Michelle Angel. Troy, I don't think it's going to be a very good result. Yeah, Michelle Angel, she's going to have to bring that fight to this, but um, she's going to need a little bit more than that to beat beat up that team. I mean, they are rolling right now, so, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I, she was my favorite player to watch last year. Uh, it's going to be really tough. Um, it's going to be tough sledding this next week. So we could see 0-2 Bliss for the first time in a long, long time. I believe Coach Hack is probably just laughing his head off right now. What do you think, Troy? I don't know if he's laughing, but I can I can tell you one thing. He knows his value at this point. Um, you know that, that I would say that. I mean, because it's uh it's, it's pretty evident out there that you know since with him leaving, uh, that team is clearly not the same, and they clearly lack something out there. And you know maybe they'll find it for the you know the end of the season, uh, after the season rather. Um, but we'll see going forward. Um, it it doesn't look good though. Doesn't look good. Yeah. So uh, I know Coach Hack already told us that this was going to be similar, a similar outcome this year, this season. So it was no surprise for us to see 
uh, the bliss kind of struggle at this point. So uh, we'll see how they, you know, rebound. They're going to Austin. Uh, Austin wants to obviously stay ahead and stay neck and neck with Seattle. And there's a couple pieces from Seattle that came over. We got, uh, you know, Gonzalez out there. You also have uh, Peterson out there. And so there's a bunch of pieces out there. The acoustic have, including Michelle Angel now. So we'll see how that pans out this weekend. We're also going to watch the game this uh, weekend on YouTube, Denver versus Los Angeles. Uh, the temptation looking for their first win of the season, Denver looking to maybe upset at this point, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, the game did not go as planned for Denver at this point. So uh, that's all I got to tell you at this point, you can get the results on our Twitter feed or our Facebook page. Um, Troy, just, yeah, I don't know, just uh, it's kind of unique in uh, LFL right now because uh, we haven't seen, uh, we'll wait to see uh, how Omaha re- uh, comes out. And we already know what Chicago looks like. Now we got to see what the acoustic looks like. And then within the next uh, probably three weeks, we're going to really get to understand who's, who are the front runners and who's going to make a, you know, a run again. Really interested to see the new look acoustic uh, to Shay Winfrey going out the wide receiver. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting because she's, you know, she is an athlete. So I want to see how she transitions to that position. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm definitely interested to see how they, how they go. I think they've improved the last few years and, and maybe they take the next step. So we'll see next week. All right. So Troy, let's, um, I'll, we'll go do the uh, women's international recap after we do the NFL here, uh, NFL draft. Um, Troy, Kyle, Kyle Murray goes first. No surprises there, right? Goes first. Uh, we got Boza number two, and then obviously going forward, the rest of the the rest of the field going forward. So any surprises in the top ten that you're that you kind of just you know went okay? Yeah, um, for Oakland at Cleveland Farrell, um, I thought that was a little bit too high, but the way Oakland put together that draft, they were afraid that they weren't going to get them, and they didn't want to wait. Because uh, uh, Oakland ended up having three first-round picks, and they didn't want a chance losing that guy. So they really wanted to jump up and grab him because number one, he's a character guy and and, and he's a leader, and they really loved him. If you talk to anybody at Clemson, you know Dabo Sweeney and his group, um, everybody raised about his leadership and and how productive he was, and he maybe didn't have all the measurables coming out. So I don't know if you pick him at at the fourth pick. Uh, but we'll see going forward. Um, I thought Daniel Jones was a huge reach for the Giants. Um, and it, it was it, it, another funny thing was that the Giants were so afraid that the Redskins were going to pick Daniel Jones at 15 because the Giants also had another uh, first-round pick at number 17. They went ahead and reached for Daniel Jones. He has good mechanics, and, you know, he has the pedigree of being a coach under David Cutcliffe, the same coach who coached the um, uh, Eli and Peyton Manning when Peyton was at Tennessee and Eli was at Ole Miss. So he has, you know, a great coach uh, teaching him, but the production didn't match. Uh, he didn't throw more than 11 touchdowns in a season. Uh, but, you know, Duke didn't have a whole lot of uh, weapons to, to give him out there. But at the same time, you still want to see a guy at least be accurate with the football, and he just wasn't. And so Dave Gettleman, GM for the Giants, he's under fire his first season as GM uh, with that with that pick right there. And and then also, you know, you go defensive tackle, 
when, when you could have gotten a pass rusher at that point at, at 17, when you pick Wilkins, you pick Christian Wilkins, who's you know he's a great football, he's a good football player, but at the same time, the Giants needed edge pressure and they didn't get it in this draft. They also needed a little bit more offensive line help. I thought they should have went there. So um, those are the surprises for me. I was also surprised that the Redskins um, stood pat. You know, there were there were rumors for them to go ahead and trade up because they wanted to get uh, Dwayne Haskins, and they ended up staying at 15 to get him. And then you, you stand pat, then you trade back into the first round, and you get a much-needed pass rusher. And I was extremely excited about that. I mean, we really didn't think that the, the Redskins were going to be able to do that, but they needed a quarterback. And um, because we know Alex Smith, he's not going to play this year. I mean, he had a broken leg. It was pretty gruesome out there where he had a compound fracture to his leg, and it was just gruesome. We don't think he's going to play. They signed Chase Keenum to a one-year deal. You got Colt McCoy, who's been a, a holdover for Gruden regime since he's been there. He loves, Gruden loves the guy like a, like a son. But let's be honest, Colt McCoy, from a talent perspective, isn't moving the needle, and he hasn't been healthy either. So you had to go quarterback at that point. But then for them to go ahead and move back into the first round to get Montez Sweat, I think they really solidified a need. I don't know if anybody if you've seen this kid play at Mississippi State, but Mississippi State's defense, they had four first round picks. And he was the best of them. And you know, the guy is six foot six and two hundred and sixty pounds and he runs a four four one. I mean, that's faster than Odell Beckham, that's faster than Ezekiel Elliott. That's faster than all of those guys. So the Redskins really, really got a steal. I think in both times that they picked in the first round with the quarterback, with Dwayne Haskins, and then the Montez Sweat, and then for the rest of the draft, I really think that they just killed it overall. Ended up getting um, ended up getting Bryce Love in the fourth round, where he, you know, he had an injury concern. He tore his ACL at Stanford, but he was considered a Heisman favorite going into this year. Uh, you end up getting uh, Kelvin Harmon, who led the ACC in receiving the last two years, uh, was a thousand yards, their first thousand yard receiver uh, since 2003. And so I really think that they have done a really good job of solidifying a roster that just had a lot of bad pieces, a lot of injuries, uh, but at the same time still ended up finding a way to get to come seven and nine. If they can get it rolling at the quarterback position, I really like what the Redskins, I think, what they do this year. And they're going to surprise the teams if they can stay healthy. Kyler Murray going to Arizona and Josh Rosen just kind of not feeling it anymore. Um, I think that's going to be kind of a big change. But they did acquire some pieces, uh, you know, cornerback Byron Murphy. They got uh, Zach Allen. They got a couple pieces in there, Caleb Wilson. So at this point, you would consider the Cardinals – with a ton of talent at major positions, which is a good upgrade for them uh, to start with. So they didn't get a, a tight end from my notes, but they did get three receivers to uh, play alongside Fitzgerald and Kirk. So that means uh, they'll get a really nice uh, offensive kind of scheming to work with. Well, well man, listen, they knock it out the park also. That's how the Murray kick. That's ballsy. Because, you know, you don't you typically don't see a team – pick a quarterback, um, you know, the year after they've already drafted a quarterback high. I think the last time right. we saw that done, Carolina, um, where they um, – I forgot the quarterback from Notre Dame, and then the next year they picked Cam Newton. 
And, you know, you do that if it's a cat miss prospect. And I think with Kyler Murray, I think he's he's going to be a transcendent player. I just think his his speed and his arm strength and his quickness, I just think is really unmatched. I think you're going to see teams uh, start to go to that because, look, college teams are, are basically going predominantly to the spread. It's the same thing with high school teams. And so naturally, if you're sitting, if you're, if you're watching these teams uh, start to play the spread, the NFL is going to have to start adapting to these things also, because if you don't, the learning curve for these players, when they start going switching over to a pro style offense is really going to take its toll. And and you're not going to get the best bang for your buck while you're sitting there trying to develop a guy who just isn't ready for a pro system. And so you're going to start to see teams in the NFL go more to, you know, to spread offenses a little bit, you know, um, uh, and start to look like these college teams. And I think Kyler Murray is going to do that. Uh, they also picked Andy Isabella, who's a wide receiver uh, from UMass. He's going to be a great player. He's very underrated. But um, Arizona had him high on the board. But, listen, the guy that you really need to look for for Arizona is Hakeem Butler. That kid right there, he's about 6'6", he's 225, and he can run like nobody's business. He kind of reminds me of Randy Moss. Uh, but he just, you know, he, he has a little bit of problem with the drops. But I'm telling you, this kid can play some football. So Arizona has some weapons. They did get a tight end in the seventh round uh, from, from UCLA, uh, Caleb Wilson. So we'll see how he pans out. He may just be a you know, special teams guy. But, look, when you get drafted, you got a chance to play. So we'll see what happens. But I really think that Arizona Cardinals did a hell of a job putting, it, putting together their team. That's why I mentioned Wilson because it's from UCLA. You know what I mean? There you go. That's a strong last name too, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, Troy, what do you say of this uh, Mayock Gruden? I, I just didn't think they really came across really well for the Raiders, but they did. They did bring in, I guess, some tw- uh, you know some talented kids. When you start looking, you know, dissecting it all, now we're going to see how they can put it together. You know. You know, I like the picks that they made. Like, I, I love Clevin uh, Farrell um, as a football player. I just didn't like him at four. Um, but yeah. you know what? When you get drafted, who cares what position you're at? Are you going to be productive? And I think that's the thing that he's going to be. He's going to be productive. He is a hell of a football player. If you ever watch him play at Clemson, they were the national championships. He was the head and above leader of that defense out there. And, um, you know, that's the guy that you want to run behind. Josh Jacobs. You got to see his story. You know, he was he grew up. He had, you know, his five siblings and his dad raised them, and they were homeless a lot of times. And so, you're talking about a guy who fought through a lot. So he's not going to be one of those guys that, you know, kind of sits on a high horse and, you know, uh, feels like everything is owed to him. He's going to work. Uh, Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, we just talked earlier about that defense. He is going to be a striker. That's a guy who loves football. And then in the fourth round, they got Isaiah Johnson, who is one of those corners where, you know, you know, it's a lot of big receivers out there. This guy is a big corner. He's six foot two. He's 210 pounds. He can run. He's got long arms. He's got ball skills. He's a former wide receiver. I really thought that they really did a good job. I think most people are paying attention to that Clevin Farrell pick and not looking more so at what they, what they also picked up. And don't forget, they also got Hunter Renfro from Clemson, who was Clemson's hero in, in uh, their championship game 
uh, they won two years ago against Alabama, and this guy was just making big catch after big catch. He doesn't have all the measurables, but I'm going to tell you what, when, he, when you throw this kid the ball, he goes up and gets it, and he just flat out gets it done. That's what you want when, you have, when you're playing the game. You want a guy that's a football player. Forget about the measurables. Who cares what you did in shorts? The production was there. I love to pick with Hunter Renfro in the fifth round for Oakland. All right, guys. Um, we're going to talk more draft here, but uh, don't forget, you can catch over 200 episodes uh, via Apple Podcasts, as well as right here on Block Talk Radio. And you can always catch and listen to Troy on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, and Wednesdays, 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. Eastern on Indie Rap Radio. So uh, make sure you uh, download the episodes and listen to us. We had a pretty awesome episode the last uh, three weeks. Burmy in the house. We had uh, Brian Sewell. We had uh, Jennifer um, Johnson as well from the USWSFL. Previous to that, we had a lot of other athletes. So check us out and go to the Apple Podcast. Give us a rating. Really appreciate the rating. We're at five, a toy, five stars on Apple Podcasts. So really awesome. So really appreciate everybody giving us that. And it's uh, a tribute to everybody on, on the staff here, all our insiders as well, uh, Holly Custis, Mackenzie Brooks, uh, Louise Bean, and yourself and myself. Uh, so everybody doing, you know, doing their part. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. And you can always go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Get the link there. You can do uh, the shop now tab as well. Help us out with our podcast by buying stuff from our Zazzle No Joke Football Shop. And if you want to get free shipping, it's $9.99 for the year. Dazzle Black for $9.99 for the year. So a pretty good deal on there. Um, Troy, the other, the other teams are, are pretty interesting. The Giants take Daniel Jones. Um, so, I mean, at this point, it's kind of a rebuild year for there. I don't think Manning's going to be there much longer. They also brought in uh, O'Shane Zemines. Um, pretty much they went interior at the beginning. And then they kind of went with some quarterbacks. So um, Justin Love is probably the best pick in the class and for them in terms of round one. Well, you know, I, I, I would say, uh, you know, we'll see with Daniel Jones. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play this year. I really think that that organization just loves Peyton, uh, uh, Eli Manning. And I don't think uh, Daniel Jones will see the field. And you can sit back and say because of injury, but when was the last time uh, Eli Manning was injured and stepped out of a game? I mean, you know, you had the former coach who took him out the last three games they wanted to see what the other quarterbacks could do, and that was a disaster, and they ended up putting him back. And, you know, the Giants have just been an embarrassment, to, to be honest, the last few years. And, you know, they're really trying to change the culture there. And I think with Daniel Jones, I think the fan base right now is just they're a little bit pissed off. I mean, they felt like they could have had that guy at 17. And then, you know, they wanted to get a guy like Montez Sweat with the Redskins picked, and they ended up getting Dexter Lawrence at that defensive tackle. You pick, you did, you did have a great pick in DeAndre Baker. I think that was a great pick. They needed help at the cornerback position. He's, he's a player at Georgia. He's seen the best of the best in the SEC. So I thought that was a great pick. O'Shane Jimenez, I think that kid right there is extremely underrated. For them to get him in the third round, I think it was a steal. He was slated in some draft or some mock draft to be a first-round pick. He's got edge pressure. They needed a guy off the edge. So he's not Montez Sweat, but he can be productive. And he was at a smaller college in Old Dominion, Virginia, my neck of the woods. 
Um, but I really think that that kid is going to be a player. Julian Love, another cornerback that they needed. I think he's really a, a great – he's going to be a great player. Um, he has the pedigree at North, at North Carolina, and um, they need that at the corner. And then you had uh, Corey Ballantyne, who made some headlines in, in the more erroneous way. Uh, he was shot over the, over the past weekend. Um, he looks like he's going to recover, but his teammate uh, his teammate passed away. So, you know, RIP to him. But um, they, they're making some headlines for the for, for the wrong reasons. The New York Giants are. But I'm going to tell you what, Dave Gettleman, their GM, with that pick with Dave with David Jones, he's really going to have to knock uh, Daniel Jones. He's really going to have to knock that out the park. And if this team doesn't win and went went early, he's going to have he's going to be on the hot seat way quicker than he thought he was. And so, you know, we're definitely going to keep our eye on that one because that's going to be interesting. He that, he's going to be judged by that by this draft, and you can't take a you can't take a risk like that without putting your neck on the line. So you got to give him credit for heart, maybe not too much for smarts though. Yeah, uh, New England uh, takes uh, wide receiver uh, and kill Harry, and they pick up a couple pieces defensive end like Chase uh, uh, Winovic. So I mean, I no surprise there. They took they were number six, but they really just are kind of like using chess pieces because once they put them in their system, it's literally a matter of where they're going to fit in. So and they even pick up I think uh, Stenham, Stenham, uh Jared Stinham, uh, as quarterback too. So love the Nikhil Harry pick. I love yep. that pick, and I tell you why. Yep. They lost a lot of wide receiver talent. They lost Chris Hogan. Um, they lost Chris Hogan. He and and Nikhil Harry is a is a very very cerebral guy. He knows how to run routes, and that's the kind of guy that you want in that system. The the New England Patriots they run a lot of option routes, so they have to be able to read coverage, and the coverage dictates the route that they're going to run. And this guy is one of the smarter wide receivers that they had in the draft. So it's going to be great. He's going to be a great fit for that system. Jawan Williams, the cornerback out of Vanderbilt. You talk about big corners. Let me give you this kid's numbers. He's six foot four, two hundred and ten wow. pounds at a cornerback position. That is a very, very tall cornerback. That's a long guy. And so, if if anybody can get him, get the best out of him, I would say it's going to be Bill Belichick, a Bill Belichick coach team. He knows talent like that, and um, I think he's really going to use him. Chase Winovich is the perfect New England Patriot. Uh, he's got the long hair, and um, he's got that Michigan pedigree. He's a pass rusher. He's feisty. He loves, loves, loves football. I've, I've watched him play for the, for the past four years, and this guy does nothing but lead and, and show enthusiasm and play the game like it's supposed to be played. I really like what they did when, when they picked also Damian Harris. I don't know how many running backs this team is going to pick up, but they really got a good one in Damian Harris. He's got the pedigree in Alabama, a highly rated guy uh, coming out of high school. Jared Stidham I thought was going to be interesting. I thought they could have had him maybe in the fifth or sixth round. I didn't like how he played last year. I thought his film in 2017 was much better because he had much better talent around him, and I think maybe that was the, the reason for his fall off. But um, I think, you know, they, they saw something in Jared Stidham where they feel like they can get something going with him. So, I will trust the New England Patriots until they give me a reason not to. Um, and they've been coaching up quarterbacks the, the past 20 years like nobody's business. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But I really like what they did in the draft. 
they got some pieces where they, they usually pick the best player available. And I think that's what they did here. They just went right off of their board, and, and I think they stuck to it, which is a great thing for them to do. Now, Jacksonville has been somewhat just kind of horrible, so they went with offensive uh, offensive uh, kind of picks at the beginning, offensive tackle, offensive lineman. Uh, uh, they picked up a couple safeties and tight ends. Uh, a running back was a quarterback and a defensive tackle. So Dave Caldwell needed a good draft in the worst way, yeah. considering what they've done in the last two years. So um, I think at this point they came away with two players within the top ten, so that's a good sign, I guess. Yeah, they wanted to go offensive tackle with the first pick, but then when Josh Allen fell to them, they couldn't they couldn't pass that up. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about production. This kid had 17 sacks last year at Kentucky, and Kentucky oh, yeah. had a renaissance. This guy was this guy was unblockable, and you saw mm-hmm. it on film. So they they could not pass him up. You got to take a pass rusher at that point. And then they still ended up getting the guy that they wanted to get in, Jawan Taylor, uh, in the second round, who fell for some reason. I, I thought Jawan, tackle, J- Jawan Taylor was clearly the best tackle in this draft. He fell, he falls to the second round of the third pick in the second round, and they get him there. And that's after that, that's when things get a little bit dicey. I thought, I thought they kind of reached for Josh Oliver um, in, in the third round. He was productive at San Jose State, but I thought, you know, um, and they need, I guess they felt like they needed an, an athletic tight end uh, and to get Nick Foles some weapons. So, you know, the best friend of a, of a quarterback is a good tight end. So they saw mm-hmm. something in Oliver um, where he can possibly, um, you know, be a gem. And you really don't hear a lot of, a lot of uh, San Jose State players, but he is a good player. I just thought that they kind of reached for him on the third round. But, um and then Gardner Minshew, I think he's going to be a developmental guy in Washington State. I saw him in the Pac-12, um, and I love the way he plays. This guy can really spin the ball. And um, he played in a, in a pretty good system up there and um, uh, up in Washington State. So, Well, they I definitely need a quarterback because, I mean, that's one of the – I mean, a grooming quarterback, and hopefully that Minshew can do that. Yeah, and, and I think so. I think you need a guy that you can you can put behind Nick Foles. Um, you, you needed another guy back there, and I think he's as good as you can get right there. You know, um, he, he, like I said, he's got a nice little pedigree up there uh, dealing with, um, you know, where, where he played up in Washington State. So I think that would be a good guy to, to sit back and learn, um, you know, learn the system because Nick Foles has already signed that big contract. He's got that four-year deal. So he's going to be there for a while. So we'll see what they do. But I think past that, they needed to get a, they wanted to get an offensive line, and they got that. They couldn't pass up on on the top ten, uh, top three talent. Where somehow Josh Allen drops to the seventh pick. But um, you know, after that, it was kind of dicey. Um, Troy, what do you think of the Packers rebuild here? Uh, I don't think Rodgers has that much left in him. Uh, so they they basically gave Rashawn Gary. Uh, a pick, uh, you know, the first one, and then they kind of went with Darnell Savage, uh, which is a pretty good player. Um, Elgin Jenkins, a versatile player, and uh, Jace uh, Steinberger, which is m- probably going to fit pretty well with uh, LaFleur's system there. I was surprised they didn't pick a wide receiver at some point. Um, yeah, that's what that was me too. I was like, no wide receiver. It's like, what is, yeah, so I'm, I'm scratching my head too. 
Yeah, you lost Randall Cobb, but, I mean, you do have uh, Geronimo Allison who started to come on at the end of the year um, as the second or third wide receiver. Um, so, you know, maybe they felt like they were confident in, in the wide receiver skill set, not to mention Aaron Rodgers has not had a problem throwing the wide receivers. He's had more of a problem, you know, with the offensive line. And um, I think being able to get a guy uh, like Elton Jenkins, I think that's what they really wanted to do. They wanted to solidify up the middle. Um, Jay Sternberger, he's a tight end, very productive tight end out of Texas A&M. I thought he he was a heck of a player. They got him pretty much where they should have got him in the third round. But I think the Rashawn Gary pick, it, it gives people a little bit of trepidation. One, Rashawn Gary, when you look at his measurables, out of this world. I mean, the guy's six foot four. He's two seventy seven. He runs a four six. I mean, that's that's insane numbers. That's that's like Reggie White type numbers. But you didn't see the production there. And then it comes out that you know he's got a torn. Uh, he has a torn labrum. And what he's already announced is that he's going to play on that torn labrum the entire year, and then just have surgery in the off season. So on one hand, you sit back and you say, you know, the production wasn't there in Michigan, but there character wise. There's no better guy that you're going to have on your team. He's he's a quiet guy. He's a leader. And as a matter of fact, he's a pioneer. He was the first player to actually start a um, – um, where he's a, he became, he started a, a player agency, and he signed himself as, as the agent. And so wow. he's really trying to change the game. Uh, yeah, he's a very smart kid. He's a straight-A student. The guy is, is just an awesome player. Uh, but we didn't see the production, and so are you going to see that? They drafted this, this. They drafted him basically off of, you know, potential. And of course, right. all of these guys are potential, but you want to see the production, and you just didn't see that, and you worry about that with a guy like that. But Darnell Savage, talk about measurables. This guy has Ed Reed like potential. I mean, he made so many plays. If you turn on the film for Ohio State, where he, you know, he picked off uh, Ohio State and took it back to the house. He's got speed. He's got range. You can put him at corner. You can put him at free safety. He comes up and he hits. You can put him at strong safety. He can really play anywhere in the secondary. And he really started to move up draft boards as this process went on. And at first, he, you know, he was he was kind of under the radar. But they, you put you put the film on and you saw how he played. And then you also saw him run a four three five at the combine. The guy can really play football, and and I'm definitely happy to see him local kid. I uh, watched him play a lot at University of Maryland, so I'm glad he got picked, but they're going to really love him up in Green Bay. Troy, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, with all the drama in the offseason, with uh, Brown going to the Raiders, um, you know, uh, Lavelle, um, and then you had uh, the Shashir's injury, uh, so it's kind of a bad year last year for them in terms of, you know, in-house stuff. Uh, so they go in, in interior linebacker Devin Bush, they get wide receiver Dante Johnson, which so similar statue as, uh, as Brown. They get cornerback Justin Lane, and then uh, they pick up uh, offensive tackle Derwin Gray. So, um, and then also I think uh, Sutton Smith, which was really good, a kind of undersized kid there, but uh, he played pretty well in the MAC. So they picked up some pieces there that they might be able to kind of put together. But you know, all that stuff in the off season uh, at this point, it's kind of like they're gonna have to get back to basics. I think with you know with with Devin Bush, I think that was the biggest thing because you know you, you lost Ryan Shazier, and when Ryan Shazier didn't play last season, you saw that defense struggled mightily in the beginning. 
They started to get things together more so in the secondary as the, as the season progressed, but they had some serious problems. Do you remember that Tampa Bay game? The Tampa yep. Bay basically up and down the field on that was just a – that was one of those, um, you know, those Madden-type games. And they shored mm-hmm. those things up for a while, but it was because they were missing some speed at the inside linebacker position. And Devin Bush Jr. gives you that. You're talking about a sideline-to-sideline guy, and he's a guy that not only is fast, he's mean, he's a leader, and he can diagnose plays. Like, you can just watch him. You can see everything develop in his head, and he's always in the right place. They are going to love him in Pittsburgh. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb right here and say this. Devin Bush Jr. is going to be a Hall of Famer. That guy is really that good. He's that good. Wow. He's fast. He's and he's got the pedigree. His father also played defensive back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a hell of a player, and um, I'm, I'm definitely glad he landed in that spot. Uh, Justin Lane is also going to be a great player. Came out of Michigan State. They needed more help at the cornerback position. Benny Snell, again, Kentucky Renaissance, he was one of the main headliners for that. He was a running back at, at uh, Kentucky. He really mm-hmm. got it done for, for, for the Wildcats and putting them back on the map in the SEC. And that is a hard thing to do is for a Kentucky team that has been a perennial loser to go into the SEC and start winning games against big-time opponents. And they managed to do that, and they did a lot of that because of Benny Snell Jr. So I really like what they did in some of their picks. They got some need picks. They got some need, um, much-needed picks. And and the Benny Snell pick, I think people are really going to love him up in Pittsburgh. Um, Troy Buffalo always potential in the season, and then when they get to the draft, it's kind of like not much value that they pick up. But they did get uh, Ed Oliver at number nine, and they also picked up, uh, I believe, uh, Cody Ford. So um, other than that, they got a running back. They picked up an offensive linebacker, which is uh, Joseph, and then they also took in a uh, tight end Sweeney at the end, which we'll see how they pan out. But they they need they need some uh, uplifting here because every season it's like everybody kind of leaves Buffalo as uh, Louise would say not the most comforting place to play I guess. Yeah, um, I really thought that when Aaron Donald fell to them, I mean, excuse me, um, uh, Ed Oliver when he fell to them, mm-hmm. they got an Aaron Donald type guy. Yep, and they they have the same stature. Um, Ed Oliver is 6'2", 287. Um, Aaron Donald is about 6'2", 280. And so these guys are, are similar. I mean, they're, it was early in the season, in the, in the college season, where a lot of people thought that Ed Oliver was going to be the first pick in the draft. And he dropped a little because of some attitude issues. I mean, the, the biggest thing that people um, who watch college football will remember is the big blow up on the sideline he had with his coach where he wasn't playing mm-hmm. in the game. And he's cursing his coach out on the sideline. That's just not – you can't do that. And that allows – That anger management? Down. That's anger management, oh, I think. Yeah, you know, that's – exactly. And it's like, you, you know, <laughs> you want to see action out of your guys, but that's, that's not the place you do it. And so that turned – that took a lot of – a lot of teams, they just went ahead and took them right off the board. Uh, sure. But I think the Bills got an absolute steal, uh, especially if he pans out as a player. Um, and hopefully he doesn't become a locker room cancer. I, I think overall he's 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 been a good guy. He's you know he just had that one hiccup, 
So I won't hold it against them. But I think, man, they've really got an outstanding player at that position. And especially since Kyle Williams left, uh, he retired. And they needed somebody that was going to come in there at that defensive tackle position and, and um, you know, garner some respect. And he definitely going to do it. They needed help on the offensive line, so they picked up Cody Ford, who, who also could have went in the first round out of Oklahoma. Hell of a player. Cody Ford can move people around. That's a big man right there. So they really got some uh, some good value on those picks. I was really happy with that. They got Devin Singletary from uh, Florida Atlantic. Another small school guy, but super, super productive. This, you turn on the film with this guy. He is just very impressive. He's undersized. He doesn't have, like, breakaway speed. But I tell you what, you try to tackle this kid in space, good luck. He is he is very, very hard to bring down. He's one of those kind of sat back guys, more quick than fast. But good luck tackling this guy in open field because he will really embarrass you if you if, when, he, when you break things down. So, wouldn't, can't wait to get a look at him. Want to see how he equips himself in the NFL, and uh, hopefully, he has some success doing it. Well, uh, they gave Wilson their, uh, the big contract, and we need he needs some pass catchers. So at this point, Seattle uh, didn't look very good for the first two picks, but they, they kind of redeemed themselves. Uh, they landed DK Metcalf in the final pick of the second round, and then they got, uh, I believe, Jennings, uh, Gary Jennings. And so they picked up uh, some defensive ends, a couple of wide receivers. Um, what else did they pick up? A uh, running back. Yeah, so mostly wide receivers, some running uh, running back, and some interior linemen as well. Did not understand the LJ Collier pick. I, I just Seriously, I know. I have my own draft boards. I had LJ Collier as a, you know, a fringe second or third mm-hmm. round pick, maybe mm-hmm. fourth round pick. I I don't know what they saw in him, that they really liked him. Uh, but apparently they, they did, and they picked him in the first round. And I thought they reached way too high to get him. Uh, oh, yeah. You could have had him. You had two second-round picks. You could have got him at one of those. D.K. Metcalf, the measurables are there. Um, when you see this guy run the 40, and he is an absolute specimen. I mean, the guy is, I don't know, it's like 1.5% body fat or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. But the problem that I had with DK Metcalf was that when you see the production, it wasn't there. And then when you look at, and I'm not a big, you know, uh, combine guy. I mean, I like it. It's cool to talk about, you know, people running the 40 times. But I think when you see the high 40 time when he ran a 4-3-3, and he had the the, the slowest uh, cone drill, which means change of direction. That's really what bothers me. And I would have taken him off the board immediately, especially for the first round, because what he can't do is change direction very well. And so you want to see him improve on that. Maybe he can. But, you know, typically when you see straight line speed guys like that, that's all they can do is just run up and down the field, um, you know, on straight lines and maybe a post here and there. But they aren't going to be doing much much more than that. So he's going to be limited in what he can do unless they can somehow coach this kid up. And I think maybe it's a possibility they can. Um, but then you also, they went ahead and got Gary Jennings Jr. out of West Virginia. And I know DK Metcalf is the one who's getting all the headlines, but let me tell you something. When you get Gary Jennings, when you get Gary Jennings Jr. out there, you're going to see a kid that can play football. That kid can do it all. He can run the routes. He's, he's, a, he's a quicker guy. He, he scores a lot of touchdowns. He, he's just, he's just a, uh, in, my point, in my opinion, he's a much better 
Um, yeah, he's pretty pretty good talent. He's very talented, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he and he's not a small kid either. He's about six. No, he's not. Four, so, you know, you, you, he's finally got some size out there after playing with Doug Baldwin and you know and, and Paul Richardson and guys like that. So he's got some size out there now. So Russell Wilson, he's going to be happy. He can throw some jump balls now, and maybe these guys can come down with it. I mean, he got he got he got bank, Troy. He got more bank than we ever dreamed of getting, and he, oh, he even got it while he's sleeping with the wife, and posted on Instagram. <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, Russell Wilson is winning right now, no doubt about that. Seriously that, about that, it. That is a wow. <laughs> but uh, at, you know, he had you had Seahawks fans kind of like a little bit on the edge there, thinking they're not going to resign him and all this other stuff. There's a lot of Seahawks fans going. They were getting scared, you know what I mean? They were going to let them go, or they were just going to revamp themselves and all that stuff, but they committed, so there you go. There's the uh, draft picks. Um, Troy, the Niners, uh, Garoppolo maybe coming back, so it just they take a punter. I just didn't understand how you waste a pick on a punter. You can do it in the seventh round or whatever, but anyways, they take a punter. Nonetheless, the, uh, the Niners then uh, took Debo Sam- uh, Samuel uh, pretty good. And should work out pretty good in um, Shanahan's offense, like in Atlanta, like he ran that. And then you take the big, uh, the big guy Joey Boza off the edge as a pass rusher, which they needed. So um, they they got Boza, Samuel. They got a wide receiver Hurd. Um, they also have uh, offensive linebacker Greenlaw. They take uh, offensive tackle Justin Skoll. Um, so I think they're trying to build that wall for uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, um, I like. You know, I like the Nick Bosa pick. That was a knee pick. He's going to be a heck of a player. Uh, personally, I don't like the guy, but, you know, that's a different story. You don't like the questions. guy? Come on. He's on Twitter all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Nick Bosa fan for a variety of different reasons. One of them, him being an Ohio State player. But you know what? I'm going to just leave that there. He's a 49er now. Sounds like it. Uh, sounds oh, like you got personal stuff against Boza here. Oh, What's yeah. going on with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> to like about that guy to me. So. Uh, he's got so issues. He's a, That's all I got to say. He's got issues. He's got to prove himself. This is a good place to he, prove he, himself. If he wants to go to a bad team, something that improves a team, uh, and be a good uh, defensive end, he can make a big difference in San Francisco. Big time. Because the one thing San Francisco has, they got muscle up front. You know, the defensive yep. tackle position. They, 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 they've spent a lot of draft picks on that defensive front and uh, plug him in on the outside to get some pass rush. I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a sell for them. If they can put all of that together, the 49ers will be scary up front. Um, The Debo Samuel and uh, the Debo Samuel pick loved it. If you watch Debo Samuel play at South Mm -hmm. Carolina, the guy was just, he was just a monster. He was just mean. And you want to see that. Like, you know, he reminds me of, uh, of, of Pierre Garcon. Because he is just um, – he, he's built for running back. The guy's got big, big, huge hands. And he's he's 5'11", but he's 2'14". So he runs like a running back. I mean, he's 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 he's, he's just going to be a tough player to match up against. And then speaking well, and then you got Kittle in the mix. If this guy exactly. – if he can turn out to be a big potential, there you go. Yeah, you got Kittle, and then you when you go there and you plug in Jalen Hurd, who yep. this guy's a superior athlete. Jalen Hurd is six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds, 
he used to be a running back at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I watched him just destroy teams like Alabama and Florida. Teams with just incredible defenses. And he said he didn't want to play running back anymore because when he would, you know, be finished with the games and the next day he, his body would be so sore, he just didn't feel like that his body was going to hold up that long. So he decided he's that much of an athlete that he decided I'm just going to go ahead and play wide receiver. And what does he do? He goes to Baylor. He transfers to Baylor. And he goes into the third round because they see the type of talent and speed that this guy has. And this is the thing. He's not even a developed route running. And when he finally gets it down, and what a place to go to is, is being coached by Kyle Shanahan, who is an offensive genius. This guy's going to get him ready. Jalen Hurd, you're going to hear about this dude. He is an absolute stud as a, as a football player. He's a stud athlete. I really like what they did in, in, in those uh, first three picks there. The Bears, uh, Troy, kind of a low key for them uh, during the draft. They didn't bring in any big names, but they pick up David Montgomery, who's a you know pretty pretty decent player. It didn't cost him much. It was a third, uh, and then they get Ridley, one of the more undervalued receivers in the class, um, Georgia product as well, good route runner, and then you also have Shelley with a steal in round six. A little undersized, but playmaker in the corner. So they picked up some key pieces that they can work around. Uh, they also got another running back in white. Uh, they picked up a cornerback in Denmark. So, um, you know, and then you got Khalil Mack to build up those pieces and a good offensive, uh, you know, uh, nucleus that they had from last year. So these pieces could kind of uh, gel really nicely in the bear, uh, in the bear scheme of things. You know what? The, the Bears came out ahead because think about it like this: the Bears were not going to get a guy like Khalil Mack in the first round this year, so that was a great True. trade. Yeah. And, and it yep. definitely worked out. You ended up getting uh, David Montgomery in the third round. I mean, yeah, in the third round, and you needed to replace um, uh, Jordan Howard, who you lost. And this guy fits the bill. They're, they're virtually like um, they look alike, but I would say Montgomery is more shifty. He can move around more. He's got better cuts. He's got better feet uh, than Howard does. Howard is more like a, a plotter and a bull, uh, but this kid can do it all. Like he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's got a, he's got some wiggle to him, and he can run with power. And um, I really think he's going to fit in well with that offense. Uh, Riley Ridley, a speed guy, underrated at Georgia. You know they had so much talent on that team. He couldn't get a whole lot of balls, but let me tell you what: when you turn on the film. He just really makes it happen. He's the brother of Calvin Ridley, who was drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons last year. So he also has the pedigree. This kid can really play the game. So, And, and they needed another wide receiver out there. They really weren't scaring anybody at the wide receiver position. They needed to get some speed. They really got that in Riley Ridley. Um, he, he's going to have to work a little bit more on his route running. Um, so it's going to come down to coaching at that point and repetition, but I really think they got to find with those two guys there. Yeah, you got my Rams, Troy. I was kind of excited in the first. Uh, they got Rapp right off the bat, which is a safety. Uh, I really like Gaines. Uh, I thought the uh, Allen pick was pretty decent as well. Um, I mean, Rapp isn't like something, you know, you're going to like wow yourself out, but it's a workable piece at this point. They did get Henderson. Which is uh, which was a best uh, good runner in the class, and they got long as well. So I mean, we got a p- couple pieces to work with with the, what we have already. So I was kind of excited for what we got in terms of the cornerback. We got the uh, running back, and then we also picked up a safety. 
Uh, the other pieces were kind of complementary. Uh, Edwards, offensive tackle. Um, so, but you got two safeties in there, and you got uh, a couple pieces offensively, uh, and even Evans as well. Listen, Taylor Rapp, and, and you also now you have Eric Weddle back there. You got some really, really smart guys playing the safety position. Now, you guys lost LaMarcus Joyner, and, and I think that helps, um, you know, take some of the sting off of that one. But, man, this kid, I really liked I, – I, you know, he doesn't have the measurables, but you see the instincts. Like, he, he, mm-hmm. he was always efficient. And so that's why I really like the pick with Taylor Rapp. I think they, they really made a good uh, pick there. And to pair him with a guy like Eric Weddle, who still has some trail left on the tires, I think is really going to be a good pick for them. Daryl Henderson, extremely productive out of Memphis. Uh, he's a smaller guy, 5'8", 208 pounds. But do not let that fool you. I know he sounds like he's a small guy. He does not play small. This guy will really um, – he, he'll put his shoulder down. And when he, when he takes that cut, he's gone. And, and playing in, in a system with Sean McVay, where they really like that zone blocking scheme where he can, they can kind of pick the hole and, 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 and jet through it, that's why they picked him in the third round because he fits exactly into that offense. So he's going to be extremely productive in that crowded backfield. But when he gets on the field, he's going to make some plays and he's going to make people sit back and say, look, we got to get this kid more playing time. That's the way he plays. Let me give you some stats that this guy has. He averaged 8.9 yards per carry in 2017. That's almost a first down every time he ran the ball, not, yep. not catch the ball. He was running the ball. So he yep. is, I'm telling you, man, this, this kid can really play. Um, David Long, cornerback out of Michigan, I watch him play all the time. He is a guy that likes to play physical. He's a man-to-man uh, guy. He likes to play bump and run. And you guys already had two corners there last year that did the same thing. So he fits right in with that scheme uh, that they have on that team. So I really like the pick that they had because they got guys that fit their system. I think you can yeah. look at every every guy that they pick and you sit back and say, they fit what we do. Don't t- don't pay too much attention to 40-time measurables and all that other stuff. Yeah. And, but do you fit in our system? And I think those three guys from the very beginning, they fit exactly what they want to do. Yeah, it worked out pretty well, pretty well for us. I, I really like the picks. Um, I think uh, it's going to work out really well for us in, in terms of, like, blending them in. We'll see. Henderson, the Henderson pick may be a safety net for Gurley if he's not coming back with a health state. So we'll see how that works out as well. So I, I kind of worked out that. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? The Browns, I was looking at the Browns. They ended up with, uh, I think, Greedy Williams without trading up in the first round, um, but uh, including a kicker as well. So they, they got Williams. They got offensive linebacker Taki Taki. Uh, I'm sorry, Taki Taki, I guess, if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, Red Warren. Right it was yeah, Taki Taki. Yeah. And then they got an interior lineman, Mac Wilson. Uh, they picked up a kicker in Cybert. Uh, they get a cornerback in Lewis. So I guess, you know, uh, given their whole offseason free agency and picking up all these key, you know, players from marquee players, they're kind of working on trying to blend some of these, uh, some of these players, offensive linemen and interior linemen. So protect the quarterback, I guess. How in the world did Greedy Williams fall that far? I just, I, I don't understand this. 
this kid right here is, is in my opinion, he's going to be the best cornerback in this draft. And I, I, it's not even close. He just has the instincts. He has, he has the, and you want to see a confident corner that loses confidence. And you, you like to see that guy. He's fast. He's, he's definitely one of those fast switch guys. Ran the low four threes, and he's aggressive. He's a physical guy. He plays bump and run. He's not afraid to tackle. You hate to see corners that don't like tackling. This kid is not one of those guys. He's mean. And for, I don't know how he fell that far, but, geez, man, this this guy, is he, he's really going to be a player for Cleveland unless, you know, it just blows up. I mean, because it, it is – Cleveland has the, the – they, they really have, like, the, the ingredients that they have out there. It's either feast or famine, in my opinion. I think they got a lot of pieces out there, but it's also a lot of volatility on that team. So if they can keep all of that stuff together and keep their heads level, they look like they can make some plays and they can um, they can uh, get some scores and, and, and win some games. But if they don't start winning early, it's going to blow up because they got some guys on there that will uh, that, that's not going to be shy about talking. Greedy Williams is one of those guys. Sione uh, Taki Taki, I wasn't necessary. I thought that was a reach also. Um, you know, he's he's instinctive. And, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that you can put in and in, in, he can play zone. He's more of a zone uh, a linebacker. He, he excels in zone. Um, I don't know if you pick him in the third round right there, but he is a pretty decent player. Um, I, I would have liked to see them, uh, you know, get a guy that was more of a um, an, an interior uh, or inside backer who can probably rush the pass. Yeah, a little bit more major. presence. Yeah, a little bit more presence would have been nice, but yeah. And then they ended up doing that anyway. What do you get, Mac Wilson in the fifth round? Who yeah. is that stalwart? That 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 kid right there is a monster. And so um, they really got to find there, Mac Wilson. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play. And also a guy that's going to fly under the radar, but you're going to hear a lot about him is Sheldrick Redwine out of Miami. This kid can play. He is one of those guys. He, he's um, he, he's fast. He's big. He's got the prototypical size for a defensive back. He's six foot, like two hundred pounds. Um, he maybe doesn't look that fast on film. You know, you see the speed that he had at the combine. And you want him to maybe play a little bit faster, but I think that's more from a recognition standpoint. He this is he only played a little bit early in his career, but you see the athleticism. I thought that was a good pick in the fourth round. So if they can get those guys to develop, especially the kid Red Wine in the secondary, I think they'll be solid because their pass rush is going to be out of this world. And I uh, can't wait to see what they do on that defense. Troy, if you're a uh, Detroit Lions fan, do you just get drunk now? Because oh, the, their draft was just, I mean, come on. Outside of, uh, was it uh, Oro, uh, Oruwawi, uh they got very little value out of their picks. Uh, they took in a tight end in the top ten, which is, you rarely don't take a tight end ever, and if it works out. But then Tave, which is a liability on pass coverage, or kind of a bad, even worse pick. So they get Hawkinson, uh, tight end. They get Tave. They get Harris at safety. Uh, they got another receiver at, at Fulgam, a running back in Johnson. Uh, and, I mean, I don't, I don't understand uh, where they're going here. It's just all over the map here. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they – I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to do here. Um, I, I, I like the T.J. Hawkinson pick. I just didn't like it at eight. Um, right. T.J. Hawkinson is going to be a star. But I guess if you're looking at it, you're saying to yourself, what can we do 
at this pick here to give Stafford, you know, the best weapon possible. And I think mm-hmm. that's the direction you go. Um, none of the wide receivers at that position made, made any sense, but I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be a pro bowl. I think he was far and away the best tight end in the draft. Then you go ahead and you pick up another one uh, later on in the seventh round, Isaac Nauta, who's also a good player. Um, but I did not like the Jelani Tavai pick. Um, I, I agree with no. you. I think yeah. huge reach. He's he's yeah. not a second. He's he's just not. Um, no. He's a tough guy. But then not to mention, you just picked uh, Gerard Davis last year in the first round at, at inside linebacker also. I, I, you don't need mm-hmm. that guy right now. You should have yep. gone a pass. You just lost um, Ansa. So you needed a pass rush. You needed a guy on the edge. You had plenty of edge rushes available in the second round. You should have gone there at that point. Maybe they obviously they didn't like those guys more than they liked him. But, you know, you didn't address that until you got the Austin Bryant who I think is going to be a heck of a player. He's got he's got the good frame. He looks exactly the same size as uh, Clevin Farrell. Uh, just didn't have as much production. Uh, and we'll see if if he is um, if if he does uh, pan out to be that. He's a hell of a player. I will say that. And they got a good pick right there in the fourth round. But I think you also needed to get another pass rusher along with Austin Bryant uh, to go along with that. You need as much pass rush as you can because that team right there. They're going to need to force some turnovers to be competitive in that division. I agree with you. So those is kind of a breakdown of the um, the whole thing that happened over the past, uh, you know, the whole weekend. Everybody's sitting still to figure out what the, you know, who's going to go where. And it was pretty exciting, actually, to see all that happening as well. So um, that's that's the thoughts that we had, Bill Dom. So if you guys have any thoughts, just hit us up on Twitter. Also, you can hit us up on our Facebook uh, page at the Great Iron Beauties on Facebook under the uh, podcast. Give us some comments. We'll obviously be more than happy to respond and go that route. Um, so, Troy, uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, we'll see how it turns out, of course. But uh, other than that, it worked out pretty good. For I mean, for my team, I was pretty happy with it. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Holly's team was pretty happy. Uh, we didn't address Dallas at this point, but I don't know what Mackenzie's thoughts are on, on Dallas at this point with the draft. But Pretty good picks overall, and hopefully they pan out, especially like in Washington. If they pan out, they're going to be pretty good. Oh yeah, man! I, you know the, the you know the town right now is just going crazy about these picks. I mean, we're, we they were happy that um, you know Haskins fell to the Redskins, but I think the biggest pick that they could have gotten was uh, Montez Sweat. I just think. He is going to be, I really think, with the size and speed and length and strength that this kid has, he's six foot six, two sixty, runs a four four one. That's a, that's just insane athleticism, and he dropped that far in the draft because of concerns for a heart ailment, and then it turned out that you know that uh, the reports and you know were, were, may have been erroneous. And so for him to drop that far, I mean, the Redskins just just super lucky to get that kid. I can't wait to see him on the field. I watched him at Mississippi State. He was scary. If I'm a quarterback, I do not want to see that guy coming around and bending the edge coming after me. So I'm definitely happy that they got him. And this, this kid, I think he's really just going to be a stud out there. All right. So, um, you guys, you go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties. And if you haven't got our YouTube channel yet, the best shared videos on the planet, period. We cover everything uh, internationally as well. Go to the YouTube channel on YouTube. Just 
plug in Gridiron Beauties. You can always uh, hook us up on Google or Bing, Gridiron Beauties, and you can check out all our stuff on Instagram, everything also on Facebook and Twitter as well. And you can go always to the Zazzle shop, support our podcast, go to Zazzle, pick up a T-shirt, hoodie, legging, anything you want there. Use the daily codes up to 50% off on daily codes. And if you get Zazzle Black, $9.99 for the year, free shipping for 12 months. You can't beat that. So go to Zazzle.com forward slash ground beauties. If you forget anything I said, just go to the hub, the shop now tab, and you're good to go. Um, Troy, over in Spain, the week nine of the women's LNFA closed and Barbera rookies and the Valencia Firebacks already have secured their finals berth in the Spanish uh, Bowl. And that's going to be coming up on May 25th. But week nine had to be played, and it was in Valencia with the victory of the Firebats against the uh, Pioneers, 34-14. If you missed it, go to the hub. It was live, uh, courtesy of La Liga Sports. And the victory uh, basically secures the Firebats, close the regular season, and finish in second place in a 6-2 finish. And their next, uh, obviously, the final is going to be on May 25th. So Firebats dominated from the start, went ahead with a clear 26-0 right out of the box. Uh, Violet Winkskin opening and scoring with a return interception for a touchdown. And in the second quarter, Anna Leal, a pass by Alicia Miguel, Natalia Alvarez with a great run play, and Dolores Nase with the fumble recovered. They put the uh, Firebats on the uh, winning track for the day. Before the break, Pioneers cut the differences with the TD from Larry Alonzo to Anna Belen. And that was a 26-8 to margin there. And in the third quarter, Firebats put the sentence with a new touchdown scored by Gloria El Aldazi already in the uh, hands with Larry Alonza with the quarterback sneak. And there you go. The Valencia Firebats uh, basically get the win and they secure us number two. So they're waiting for uh, May 25th. Next weekend, we have one more week left of week 10. And then after that, it's the uh, Spanish Bowl. So, Troy, these two teams pretty much, Barbera rookies, Obviously, multi-time champion, eight-time champions, and then Valencia Firebacks coming into Division One this year in Spain, proving that, obviously, they were worthy of that. And they already punched their tickets. So, at this point, just complimentary that they got to play Week 10. And right after that, it's May 25th, and it's for all the marbles. Firebacks are rookies, man. I mean, you know, like you said, the rookies have been chopping for a while. And so, we're not surprised to see there and the uh, Firebacks showing up in this division and uh, acquitting themselves pretty quickly. And so we definitely want to keep our eye on that on that match. This is going to be a great match, uh, two of the two best teams in, in, the, in the league. And so they're going to try to figure out who's, who's the best team. So definitely look forward to seeing what happens with them. And, Troy, in the other game, the rookies, no options to the uh, Barcelona Buffaloes. So 7-0, uh, the defending champs advance quickly into the first quarter with two touchdowns from Anna Fernandez and quarterback Monica Rafikas, uh, 14-0 right off the bat. And in the second second quarter, Allison Rodriguez cut the differences for the Buffaloes, 14-6. Um, and then after that, it was the TD by Sabrina Marcus, which increased the lead 20-6. In the second half, the rookies continued to control the whole scope of it, further expanding their lead with three new touchdowns by Mar- Sabrina Marquez, Marina Lagares, and Anna Fernandez. So the week nine phase of the uh, women's LNFA will close on May 11th and 12th in a final day where Barbara, uh, Barcelona Buffaloes 3-4 and four, will take on the Pioneers 2-5. and five. So these two teams are playing for third place to finish the season off, while the rookies, on the other hand, will face Badalona 
0-7, who hasn't won in three years. So I feel bad for battling already, Troy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel bad for them also, man. But you know what? They got to bow up there, man. That's, that's it. Yeah, they're going up against the champs. Uh, I don't think the champs are <laughs> going to be headed to the law. So. The champs are not taking it easy on them either, man. So the, uh, no, definitely no. So that's going to be pretty uh, interesting there in terms of the setup. Um, so in Mexico, we got action coming up this weekend, uh, coming up in Lexfa, coming up week one. We got FX Mexico as well. We also have action in LFB championship. So May 3rd, it's going to be the cha- uh, championship uh, coming up. Bucaneras taking on Naredas. Naredas looking for their first championship in three years, getting beat by uh, Bar- Barracudas. Bucaneras coming into the league this year, and they're looking for their first title in this new league in LFB. And then LFB uh, international event May 4th, all-star international event consisting of Lexpa, FXL, and MIFA as well from Canada. It's a pretty exciting weekend coming up. Plus WFL legend-style play. Week four, Red Devils, number four against number five, Troyanas. You got the Rangers taking on the Red Hot V-Queens. You got Mambas and Negras against the Vipers. Who's going to get their first win of the season there? You got Chitaras undefeated against Amazonas, a battle of two and three on the season. So pretty interesting stuff. And, uh, Troy, we're getting ready for WWCFL in Canada starting up in the first week of May. So a lot of stuff, like I said, happening all over the globe. And if you didn't know, girls are playing American football and they're playing no-joke football. Yeah, man, that's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to cover, man. We, we got to bring it all to you guys. So, please, whenever if you can, uh, guys, just send us as much information as you can to us. Also, uh, if you'd like to have some players spotlighted, um, or if you would like to come on the show, just let us know. Hit us up with Gridiron Beauties, especially on the Facebook page or on Twitter. Just let us know that because we love to have all you guys on and um, as many guests as we can to, to put a spotlight on all the, on the, all the ladies playing football. All right, we have so many leagues and uh, all over the globe. And so we want to cover it all and get as much information as possible. So keep us posted. So, and we also have a LaFi that we haven't, that we haven't covered, but week three in LaFi, the uh, Titans 38 to six over Tescado Halcones, which is the Falcons. The Toluca Lobos 22 to zero over the Golden Army, and it was the Vikingas 98 to zero. Troy 98 to zero against the Akali Leonas. Long night for that for the Leonas. <laughs> Probably depressing. Um, cool and it was Mir Jets uh, versus Vaqueros 14 to six. If you want to catch live action on LaFi, go to our network partners, and we have awesome network partners. I want to thank Yarda 20 on Facebook. Yarda 20, you can jot it down, and then Tercer Cuarto. Tercer Cuarto, excellent for us, and we've been networking with them for almost three years. They cover it all, LaFi, and they also cover FX Mexico and also Lexpo when it comes down to championships. So really, really appreciative of everybody that works with us, that networks with us. We have a big-time network that we've built over 10 years. So this is the best network on the planet covering women's American football bar none. And I'm proud to say that because there's a lot of people that contributed to this. So, you know, you go to the hub, facebook.com every week, share your posts, make comments, do what you got to do, make it happen, bring the awareness to the sport. We're at 6,900 strong. We are literally at almost 14,000 in terms of reach. So that's huge. 
like doubling our reach value. So it was awesome. And then now that we have uh, Troy WNFC TV, we have Facebook Live for you know Boston Renegades, DC Divas, all the top teams. It's, uh, a lot of people are getting more excited about watching uh, women's American football. Absolutely. It's just, you know, the more and more we um, get involved and the more we, we see what, what this stuff is, it, it's just so many people, uh, so many of these ladies uh, playing football and, and bringing exposure to the game. We couldn't be happier with it, man. So, you know, the more the better. I love it. All right. So, Troy, this coming weekend, week five, we talked about it. So, big, big rankings coming up here for uh, WNFC. So, we got Denver taking on Utah, see what the Bandits can do there. We got Nebraska, red hot right now, taking on the Houston Heat. This is a, this is a back-to-back game here. Uh, Nebraska beat the, um, the Heat 46-26 in Houston. Now they go to Nebraska to, uh, at their home. Then you got the Rebellion looking for their first win. Las Vegas Silver Stars looking for their first win. You got uh, Pumas against the Hippies. Will it be a letdown here? Will we, will we be surprised that the Hippies actually can pull up a win? And you got the surge taking on the Majestics. Probably the marquee game of the of Week Five is San Diego against Seattle. Yeah, that San Diego Seattle is it's going to be a monster because you want to see if Seattle can keep that momentum going. We've seen what San Diego Surge can do. Uh, they they coming off of uh, they beat down. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, they they beat. Uh, Who did they play last week? Sorry about that. They played Los Angeles, um, sixteen yeah. to six, but it was a tough win. No, well, last week they played Vegas. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, they yeah, played Vegas they, last week. Yeah. Yeah, so they they beat them down. So you want to see like you see how Seattle is having problems scoring points, but they're they're great defense. So you want to see if Seattle's defense uh, can slow down the surge or or, or, or you know um, uh, keep them at bay. And I want to see it after the test. I know uh, Holly's team out there, she's just rep- raring to go for that one. So, we definitely keep us posted on that one. I can't wait to see the, the outcome of that game. I want to see how my girl Holly equips herself against that, uh, that surge offense. Yeah, so, and then we can't forget Division One clash uh, in the WFA coming up this weekend. It is going to be Dallas Elite taking on Houston Energy. Houston on a real good streak. Dallas undefeated. That's going to be a great matchup to watch. The PDF Shockwave taking on Cali War. It's another battle there, kind of a test for Division One. And then Minnesota taking on Kansas City. You can watch it on Town Square TV. And then the Clash over in D2, Baltimore Nighthawks taking on the Pittsburgh Passion. Plus you got the Clash of Cleveland versus Detroit Dark Angels. And the Slam taking on uh, McKenzie's Iowa Phoenix. Uh, so we also have D3 in the mix, Sin City trying to keep up pace with themselves and take on Phoenix, keeping that number one ranking there. And then Connecticut taking on the knockouts as well. So there's a lot of action happening in the WFA as well. We'll keep tabs on that next week as we come in. But the picture in the WFA one, Renegade 3-0 and right now, Divas 1-1, one and one, Cali War undefeated, Kansas City 0-3, PDX 4-0, Arlington 2-1, Dallas Elite 3-0. and So that's going to be pretty interesting how that shakes up for them. So uh, that's pretty much the lowdown. If anything, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You get everything there once a week and up the updates and the stories, breaking news and everything else. We work really hard at what we do and really appreciate you guys sharing and commenting and uh, doing everything we can do to bring awareness to the sport. 
exciting weekend in WNFC and exciting weekend in WFA. So, Troy, we're going to be uh, pretty much glued to the TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. want to see how it all shakes out. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted, and we'll be talking about it next week. Um, don't forget to leave some comments on the page of the Gridiron Beauties on Facebook and also on Twitter. And uh, just hit us up and let us know what you guys are thinking, man. We, we love the feedback. We love to, to, to see the interaction amongst the fans. So we definitely appreciate it. Appreciate you guys all the way. All right. Um, so Troy, I'll uh, be back next week. If anything, and we'll recap obviously week uh, week five, and then Legends Football League this weekend. It's week three. Los Angeles Temptation taking on the Denver Dream, and then uh, not on YouTube is going to be the Austin Acoustic taking on the Chicago Bliss. Chicago Bliss looking to rebound from that loss from to Atlanta. And the Austin Acoustic and Michelle Angel looking to make a statement here in this game, trying to get the first win to keep neck and neck with Seattle. So very interesting matchups coming up this weekend. Plus WFL, LaFi, FX Mexico, Lexpa. Uh, did I miss anything? Of course I missed stuff. Okay, it's going to be FEFA as well. So the, from Mexico to Europe to Canada to the U.S., we got you covered. Blanket, just like a linebacker on a quarterback. We got you covered. So go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Don't forget to go to Zazzle. Support us. Uh, buy a T-shirt. Just buy the No Joke Football shirt. Support it out. Let us know. We'll post it up and go from there. So, uh, Troy, thanks for coming in. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, for the absent Louise Bean, Mackenzie Brooks, and Holly Custis, and I'm saying Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you here next week for 272 as we will recap week five in the WFA and WNFC. So make sure you go to WNFC TV and then catch uh, WFA Pro Football. You can actually get the uh, links to the teams that are going to be streaming there. Otherwise, we will have the links on Twitter and on Facebook. So hope you had fun, Troy. The NFL draft was pretty awesome. Oh, man, that's my favorite time of the year, man. It's like Christmas. You get to open new gifts and, and see how it's going to pan out once, once uh, August rolls around. So I'm definitely chomping at the bit for that one. I love the draft. I'm already looking at my next board for next year, so I'm already ready, brother. All right, so you guys uh, don't miss out. Uh, WF, WNFC, WFA action, plus anything else at the Hub. And coming up in May, uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League, which we'll be covering exclusively as well. And we'll probably bring Stank Sports in here uh, as well to kind of talk about it. So, But other than that, um, Access 7 will be covering exclusive Regina Riot uh, action uh, for the uh, WWCFL. So don't miss it. And we'll get the links there week to week as well. So uh, we'll chime in next week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, TuneIn, and as well as uh, on Block Talk Radio here. So, uh, Troy, we're actually ev- all over the map now, so it's pretty awesome. Exactly, man. Just trying to cover the globe, man. All right. So, for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez saying, and we'll catch you here next week for uh, the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody.